Hey, this is Matthew Lilly. Welcome to the Presence Pioneers podcast. Welcome today, everyone. What if God told you to do 5 a.m. prayer meetings every day until Jesus came back? Well, that is what Brad Stroop was told by the Lord. He's our guest today on the podcast, and he's been faithful to do prayer meetings down in Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas, and with his ministry, The Prayer Room, and we're so excited to talk to him today and glean from his journey and from the things the Lord has taught him. He's an amazing leader, and he's a pioneer, and he's also a lot of fun. So I'm excited about uh, this conversation because Brad is full of joy. And so this is going to be a great conversation. Before we dive in today, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Uh, the Presence Pioneers podcast exists to equip you to experience more of the presence of God through day and night worship and prayer. We believe God's presence changes everything. And so we release these episodes on Thursdays. They're either going to be short little Bible teachings to help you, or they're going to be extended conversations like what we're having today with leaders in the prayer movement or Bible teachers uh, to help you experience more of the presence of God. So please hit subscribe wherever you're tuning in and continue to track with us. You can also visit our website at presencepioneers.org where we have all of our previous episodes. You can search up there by keyword or by a topic, and you can learn more about our ministry up there. You can make a donation if you'd like to do that as well. So thank you all for tuning in today. Brad Stroop, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Brad. Glad to be here, man. Thanks for the invite. It's a huge honor to have you. You're the founder and director of The Prayer Room, DFW in Dallas-Fort Worth. Man, 5 a.m. prayer meetings. Yes. What on earth? We just have to know the story behind the 5 a.m. prayer meetings. God told you to host prayer meetings at 5 a.m. I'm not a morning person. I'm glad he told you and not me. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about your story, man, for people that don't know you. Give us some background. Glad to. So uh, I was actually a missionary in Muslim Africa, uh, North Africa. I was in uh, Mali for a season. And uh, the Lord called me off the mission field and I didn't know what for. I didn't know what was next. Uh, but I had this sense that whatever it was that he was calling me out of frontline missions to do was somehow more important. <laughs> I, I don't know how else to describe it. I just, I had this sense that the next assignment was even more important than the current one. And, uh, but I had no idea what it would be. So I came off the mission field and I was bored for a while and just, you know, did what, you know, you would do. I read the word and tried to disciple a few people. And uh, one day I'm sitting on my couch uh, on my day off of work and I'm reading a book and I'll, all of a sudden I have the most profound encounter that I've ever had with the Lord to this day. Uh, and this was 15 years ago. So most profound encounter, I just, all of a sudden I feel the thickness of the Holy Spirit in the room and I find myself on my face on the floor and I hear the Holy Spirit. It wasn't audible, but I don't think audible would have been any louder. I mean, it was so loud in my internal you know, being, I heard him say, start a daily prayer meeting tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. and don't stop until I come back. Wow. And I'm like, what in the world? 5 a.m. prayer? I'm not a prayer guy. I'm a missions guy. I'm trying to figure out how to die a martyr, you know, in the mission field, not uh, live as a martyr daily in prayer meetings, you know? <laughs> so, uh, but it just kept resounding through my being over and over. I, it just, it, it was like it was, it was like it was reverberating. 
you know, start a daily prayer meeting tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. and don't stop until I come back. Start a daily prayer. So I find myself on the floor under the heaviness of the Holy Spirit just going, yes, okay, I'll do it. I don't, I don't know what I'm saying yes to, but okay. And I, but I'm processing 5 a.m. I'm not a morning guy. So I became yeah. one. I mean, 15 yeah. years later, I'm a morning guy. But, but at the moment, I was not. I was, a, I was 25. What 25-year-old's a morning guy? No, no 25. Right. So, uh, you know, and I'm thinking prayer. I don't even know what that looks like. And I knew it meant corporate because it was a prayer meeting. It wasn't like get up and do your devotional. And so I was like, man, I, what did I just say yes to? And then I thought tomorrow morning, what a terrible way to start a ministry. Like you've got zero time, no website, no building, no budget, no elder board. I mean, it's like start a prayer meeting tomorrow morning, daily, seven days a week, 5 a.m. Oh my gosh. So, and then until the second coming, what, until you come back, <laughs> I was not an end times guy. That was not on my radar. I mean, yeah. so that was almost as shocking as, as the rest of it. But we, uh, I sent out some some emails and made some phone calls and by the grace of the Lord, somehow that next morning, uh, there were 11 rowdy 20 year olds banging at my door at four forty-five in the morning. Let us in. We're here to pray. And we started a prayer meeting on September 13th, 2005 that started at 5 AM. We were just doing an hour long prayer meeting and it's 15 years later. We just celebrated our 15 year uh, anniversary just a minute ago, you know, in September. Congratulations. Thank you. And uh, we have never missed one day ever. Amazing. Seven days a week for 15 years. And since then, it's just grown. So praise God, man, the grace of God on that. That's amazing. Yeah. Without his grace, there would be nothing. The way I like to think of it is the Lord in the uh, Exodus account, when they were told after they're out in the desert and they were told to start the house of prayer out in the desert, they were told to start the tabernacle ministry and all that. They built an altar and the, the fire came from heaven and lit the sacrifice. So they didn't actually start the first fire. Their job was to sustain it. Right. And so then the, the priests were told the fire on the altar must not go out. The fire on the altar must not go out. But they didn't start the fire. God did. And I just think, man, that's a great picture of what happened with us is the Lord yeah. sovereignly did something crazy that, that people said yes to in a way that is wild. And then it's been our job for 15 years to keep that fire burning. That's amazing. Well, give us a quick snapshot of where you guys are now from 11 people in your room at 5 a.m. 15 years ago to where you guys are now. Yeah. Well, knowing that I'm speaking to pioneers, I'm going to give you guys even a little bit of the the journey because you don't go from a daily prayer meeting to where we are right now uh, without some steps and some bumps. We were doing this. I want you to think about this for a second. We were doing daily prayer meetings in my living room seven days a week for three years to the day. And we actually added a second prayer meeting. So we were doing every morning and every night. So just think about what your life would look like if you had two corporate prayer meetings in your living room, seven days a week, every day. I mean, the night that my wife and I got married, because we you know, got married uh, at about year two, we yeah. had two people miss our wedding to be back at our living room. And so, uh, but so just think about that. What's great about that piece of the journey though, is it's so reproducible because you don't have to have a building. You don't have to have a budget. You don't have to have anything. And, and as pioneers, I just want to encourage all of you 
you don't need anything but just the willingness to do it and a park, a back porch, a living room to do prayer meetings. I mean, it's the easiest thing to do in the world. Don't make it difficult. So we did that for three years. So the prayer room missions base for three years was Brad's living room. In fact, we used to call it prayer at Brad's. That's what it, I mean, for years, <laughs> we didn't have a name or a 501c3 or it was just prayer at Brad's, you know? Prayer at Brad's.com. Yeah, there you go. Don't forget the the .com. So so we did that for three years. And then we got into, we actually moved into another house. We, as a ministry, scrapped together some money and had some people help us. We got into a a house and we were there for a couple of years and and made that house the missions base and remodeled it in a really bizarre way. And, uh, but it worked. And then we went to a storefront for three years and then we were in a local church that let us use their sanctuary for two or three years. And then we bought a building and we've been there for about five years. So, I mean, we've been on a journey, but all the while, our thought process related to building the house of prayer was the Lord told us, oh, oh and real quick, when we started, I didn't know we were a house of prayer. I just thought we were doing morning prayer meetings. Like I, I wasn't connecting those dots. I've been to IHOP a couple of times. I'd heard of them. I thought they were awesome, but I Never, ever in my mind. I remember being at the first Harp and Bowl conference in 2000 uh, in IHOP Kansas City and Mike Bickle telling everybody, beloved, they're going to start these all over the earth. You just wait and see. And I was like, there's no way, little man. There's no way that's going to happen. And here I am, <laughs> 2005. And uh, so we weren't thinking House of Prayer originally. That, start, that DNA came as we were praying. And mm. I'll tell you, for all of you out there who are pioneering something, there's no better way to figure out your calling and the future of the ministry than just do daily prayer meetings together because you're going to get that clarity. You're going to get it. And we did. And so in a short period of time, I mean, I think within three months of starting, we knew we were supposed to be a 24-7 house of prayer eventually. Yeah. And so, wow. so at that point, we started then thinking we need to be doing more than one prayer meeting a day. We need to get this to two and then to three and then to eventually all of them, you know. So we, over the course of those years, these past 15 years, we've been taking steps uh, towards adding sets and adding time and getting worship leaders and training in order to be able to build up uh, to where we are now. And, and the two things that I'll, I'll uh, touch on then, and you know, back over whatever you're thinking, Matt, is uh, we had this thought process, if we're ever going to get to 24-7, We've got to figure out how to do one seven, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then we've got to figure out how to do two seven and then four, seven, six. The thought process was, at least in our mind, we were thinking if we're supposed to get to a literal unceasing reality, we need to be able to figure out how to operate seven days a week with, with clarity, with sets, building the, the structure out. And so one of the things that we committed to as a ministry was, Whenever we add a prayer meeting, we're going to add it across the board seven days a week. So if we're going to add a noon set or whatever, it's going to be noon seven days a week. And until we can add it seven days a week, we're not going to add it. Let's just wait. Let's be calculated. Let's not add one little prayer meeting here or there. Let's, let's figure out. Let's, ha- let's wait. Let's be calculated. And in the meantime, let's just do our one prayer meeting a day. And it's going to be awesome. But when we're ready, we're going to take that step. And the second was once we take it, Let's never take it back, no matter what happens, mm. even during COVID. You know, I mean, uh, things are pretty intense right now. I mean, I'm, right. you know, 
So, so that's how we built. So now we're at 2020 and we've got 20 hours a day. So it's 5 a.m. in the morning because that's when the Lord told us to start. Yeah. To 1 a.m. in the middle of the night, wow. seven days a week with live worship. So that's our current that's schedule. That's amazing. So, uh, so that's where we're that's at. Incredible. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> that's incredible. I love, I love the journey. It's amazing. I think most people that are tracking with us are pretty familiar with houses of prayer and the idea yeah. of 24 seven prayer, but I know we're getting a lot of new listeners too, oh. who maybe aren't as familiar with it. So why on earth are you trying to do prayer meetings 24 seven? Just give us some of your heart ah, behind that. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, you know, when we started, I didn't know the answer to that question, but I was thinking it was just one hour a day. And here's what we found with that one hour. We prayed for one hour a day, and we felt things changing in our own hearts. Mm. We prayed for one hour a day. We started to see things changing in our community. I mean, our, our group, our, the culture of our little crew of people. We started to pray one hour a day, and it started to cause our hearts to ache more and more for Jesus. We started to pray one hour a day, and we started to see things shifting in our city. Little things, little moments, little you know, a strip club getting shut down and a this. And I mean, just seeing little things. And we started like going, well, one hour a day is kicking tail. Yeah. What happens if we do two, four, eight? And so initially the thought process of why 24-7 was because that's all the hours of the day that there are. Let's fill them up and let's see revival break forth. Right. You know, I believe that. Second, though, and this one, I'm, I'm far more connected to this second idea as time went on. That first one, I was kind of a revival guy. I mean, I was, I was out in the mission field seeing Muslims give their lives to Jesus in, in a place where there were no believers, you know? And so I've kind of got that revival spirit. But man, as I started to fall more in love with Jesus and see the worth of Jesus and see pictures like Revelation 4 and 5, where around the throne, there are these living creatures that it seems like their entire reason for existence is to worship Jesus all the time. And I started to get this like revelation. He's worthy. He's worthy of dot, 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 everything. He's worthy of fill in the blank. He's worthy of everybody's (laughs) devotion. He's worthy of all the nations. He's worthy. I was thinking, He's worthy of praise. Like we know that we come together on Sunday mornings and we're in church services and we've got that revelation. Even when I don't feel like it, I need to praise him. He's worthy, but he doesn't stop being worthy when the church service stops. So the church service stops, but the, the aching worth of Jesus still remains. And so I'm far more connected to the thought process. Now it's actually criminal that there is ever a moment where Jesus isn't worshiped in my city. Wow. Because Satan constantly is. I mean, through the acts, the works of darkness and all of the fellowship with, you know, the demonic realm and the night and all the, all the different things. I mean, it's like, oh, it aches my heart to think that the kingdom of darkness is participated with and even, you know, uh, adored and lifted up in some dark occult ways. 24 seven, but Jesus isn't. I'm like, no, not okay. And so this growing revelation of the worth of Jesus, of all that we could give him and the beautiful, 
nature of us coming together to do it, that it's mm. you and me and him and her and their kids singing to him together. But then as soon as we're done, another group comes in and now they're singing to him. And another group comes in and now they're singing to him and they're praying and they're interceding for the purposes of the Lord. And, and so I just see it now far more, uh, my heart's far more connected to that loving God and rallying a group of people to express love towards God, uh, to God all the time. And then in the midst of all that, it's how he gets his kingdom done. You, you know, going back to the living room and like we were praying an hour a day, we were feeling the kingdom of God grow in our hearts. We were feeling the kingdom of God grow in our community. I mean, in our, in our crew. And it's like, it's how he gets his government done is when his people come together. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And it's like, well, okay. So as soon as that prayer meeting's over, that second Chronicles seven fourteen is still true again, as soon as the prayer meeting's over. It's like, well, why do we ever want the prayer meeting to stop then? <laughs> like, let's <laughs> usher it in kingdom of God, revival, presence of the Lord. Let's usher it in and keep ushering it in. So yeah. I, I have a passion to see Jesus lifted up night and day for all the reasons of the kingdom, but also for all the reasons just personally and what it does in my life. Yeah, no, that's so good. You shared a couple of, or you mentioned at least one, I know you said strip clubs shut down. There were some things you began to see pop in your city or in your region as you guys began to to pray consistently. Yeah. Do you have any other cool stories of things that God did over the years? Yes. But I'll share those early ones because, you know, I'm just thinking about all you pioneers out there, man, it's, it's tough. I'm sure we'll touch on that, but, uh, but um, I want to share with you some of those early stories because the, the impact was profound. And I think there's a grace on even those pioneering days that the Lord will pour out. So we started these prayer meetings, the Lord, because the Lord told us to, but we didn't know why. And we didn't know what we were supposed to pray. I mean, there was no more than start a daily prayer meeting. Praying for what? Seven days a week? That's a lot of aimless prayer. So we started praying two things kind of early on, and it was the Lord, but I don't know that we felt inspired. Uh, <laughs> the first thing we prayed for was, oh, God, send more people. Because <laughs> we're like, it's just a few of us. Because remember, I said we started with 11. Well, man, did we have a Gideon revival uh, in a very short period of time. We, we grew that 11 down to three real quick. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was, that was uh, within, within three weeks getting up at four o'clock in the morning to be at some dude's house at 5 a.m., the cool factor of that wore off fast. And, and so, <laughs> you know, they felt radical that first week or two, but after revival didn't come week three, it was right. kind of like, so we were praying God send us people. People started coming out of nowhere. It was bizarre. People would get connected. To, I mean, we'd run into somebody at, you know, out at a restaurant, and it would just be like the perfect connection. And they'd be like, oh, I've been looking for something like that. Or somebody would be, you know, with uh, somebody that they were working with and they'd just start showing up. I've got one of my core leaders today. This is just a fun one. One of my core leaders, his name's Andy Sanchez, incredible leader, great dude. Um, he was actually the coworker of one of the guys that started the meetings with us. And, uh, and the guy that was in the meeting went to work. He was working at Best Buy at the time. And this guy, Andy, who he knew a little bit at work, came up to, uh, to my guy and said, hey, listen, uh, 
you know, you're a Christian, I'm a Christian. What if we started like a Bible study on the lunch break or whatever? And my guy said, no, I don't want to do that. He said, but instead, why don't you come to 5 a.m. prayer meetings at my friend Brad's house? (laughs) And Andy was hungry and went, I'll do it. I'll jump in. And so he started coming. That dude's still around 15 years later. He's one of my core leaders. And it was, it was just some coworker at, you know, at, at a Best Buy. But we started praying, God, put this thing that we're doing on the hearts of others. And they started coming. Mm. All right. But here's the fun one. I don't know. I mean, I know why now. So often what the Lord will do in our immaturity is he'll give us inspired ideas that we just think is like, you know, the pizza dream. I mean, we just think it's like whatever, just our idea, harebrained, whatever. And sometimes it actually turns out to be the Lord because He's trying to help us in our, our in our inexperience. Uh, we didn't know why, but we just started praying. God, start houses of prayer all over DFW, Dallas Fort Worth, our region. And so here we are, a little house of prayer, uh, with a revelation of the house of prayer. At this point, we'd found a couple Bible verses and and realized, oh my gosh, this is kind of like a IHOP Kansas City thing. We're kind of in that like swirl. So we started praying all the time. God, start houses of prayer all over DFW, all over our region, all over our region. And what was fun is we'd start praying for specific areas because why not? Lord, start one in downtown Fort Worth. You know, Lord, start one in this area, this way. We started getting phone calls from people who, after we'd been praying for some weeks or months or even a year or two, they calls me like, hey, we're a house of prayer. We just started in downtown Fort Worth. We heard you guys are a prayer ministry. We just wanted to see if we could get connected. And we're going, oh my gosh, the Lord was answering not just start houses of prayer, but even geographic pinpointing. Like he'd start a, I don't know how many times that happened. I mean, to, exa- to not exaggerate, it happened at least five times that it was the exact area or location that we prayed for. But, nice. but here's what's fun. So over the course of time, Dallas-Fort Worth became the most house of prayer populated city of any city we've ever heard of or IHOP Kansas City's ever heard of anywhere in the world. Mm. There were At one point, there were 30 in the region that I knew the director. I knew when they were starting, to, you know, when they were prayer meetings were happening. I knew where it was at. I'd been to a bunch of them. 30 wow. houses of prayer in one city. And it, it was actually part of the government of heaven to give a bunch of 20-year-olds that didn't know what they were doing, but they were willing and they were up at 5 a.m., a little harebrained idea, intercede for the expansion of the kingdom, more houses of prayer in that geographical region, pray for it. And we did. We prayed for it every, you know, not every day, but every week, multiple times. And over time, boom, there's this like, this, uh, this surge of houses of prayer across our region that have now been carrying the Dallas-Fort Worth region for the last however many years. So that's it was incredible. just so cool to watch that. Yeah, that's amazing. Awesome. So you said that you discovered a few Bible verses along the way that helped you <laughs> realize what you were doing. I mean, it's yeah. one thing to, to get a word from God, start 5 a.m. 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. prayer meetings. But in my experience, you know, having some biblical foundation, some rootedness in the scriptures is really what's going to sustain you long-term. So I know that, that you are a Bible student and a Bible teacher. What are some of the, maybe what are some of the key verses or, or maybe there's, you know, certain moments along the journey where God really opened up certain verses to you that have really been those foundational things for you guys. 
Hey guys, this is Matthew. We'll get back to the episode in just a moment. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider joining Presence Pioneers Premium, our brand new subscriber community. Paid subscribers will get exclusive premium content such as bonus podcast episodes, exclusive articles, early releases, and more. Presence Pioneers will be releasing its first e-course in 2024 with many more to come. And the Presence Pioneers premium subscribers will always have full access to the entire library of online courses. Visit media.presencepioneers.org or click the link in the description to join today. You can become a premium member today for an introductory price of only $5 a month. When the price goes up in the future, as our library of resources grows, you can stay subscribed at the original price. If you've enjoyed our podcast for a while, becoming a premium member is a simple way for you to help us cover the cost of producing this podcast and partner with Presence Pioneers in equipping the church with resources for day and night prayer, prophetic worship, missions, and revival. Visit media.presencepioneers.org to sign up today. Yeah. Uh, Well, I got to start with the one that actually hit me the day the Lord gave me the commission. So I have that start a daily prayer meeting tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. word, probably at like four or five o'clock in the afternoon, which by the way, that's that's real problematic because you got 12 hours to start a prayer meeting that's supposed to go on forever, right? I mean, that's just yeah. crazy. Well, made my phone calls, got out the emails, whatever. So it's that night, maybe around 10 o'clock or something. And I'm doing a, a read through through the Old Testament at that point. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick up reading wherever it is, whatever chapter I left off last night, I'm going to pick up the, the next chapter today. And so uh, it just so happened that the chapter I'm going to pick up and start that day is 2 Samuel 24. And so I'm going to read 2 Samuel 24. That's where I'm starting, you know, that day. All right. So I get through it and it's, here's what's really bizarre, just the timing of the Lord. 2 Samuel 24 is actually the the context where David buys the dirt that later on he's going to build the house of prayer on. He buys the temple mount. Okay. And I don't know all of that context. I'm not I'm not tracking with that. I figured that out later. But the part that I did track with was after the Lord gave me this encounter and I'm going, really, when I'm having this encounter, I'm going, my life is over. Like whatever (laughs) I thought I was going to do with my life, I'm now tethered to Arlington. I'm not a missionary guy anymore. Not like I was thinking career, life, or, you know, die a martyr in the mission field. I'm tethered to Arlington, Texas. You know, it's a suburb of DFW. Like, man, this, this is like, this is a big ask, Jesus. All right, so here's a little bit into that chapter. This is David, okay? He goes, uh, on that day, Gad went to David and said to him, go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. So David went up as the Lord had commanded through Gad. When Aruna looked up and saw the king and his men coming towards him, he went and he bowed down before the king with his face to the ground. Aruna said, why is my Lord the king come to his servant? to buy your threshing floor, David answered, so I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. Now, this threshing floor is like where the temple would later be built. It's where David set up his tabernacle. All right. 
So Aruna said to David, let my Lord, the King take whatever pleases him and offer it up. Here are the oxen for the burnt offerings. Here's the threshing sledges uh, and the yokes, uh, the ox yokes for the wood. Oh, King Aruna gives all this to the King. Aruna said also to him, may the Lord, your God accept you. But the King, this is David, but the King replied to Aruna, no, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. And as soon as I read that, my heart just like burned. I went, it's going to cost me greatly. Mm. And I will not offer an offering to the Lord that doesn't cost me greatly. I, I will not. It, this is going to cost me. It was something that marked me in that moment. It was a gift of the Lord that it happened the day I got the commission because this was part of the commission. It was more or less, hey, pioneer, yeah. sign up for sacrifice yeah. and, and do it joyfully because you're not, it's not sacrifice for sacrifice sake. It's sacrifice for the Lord's sake. It's sacrifice. It's giving to him something costly is beautiful. I mean, that's, that's one of the big messages of the house of prayer. And it's part of the reason I'm so big. And, you know, I, I, I recognize that this is a bit controversial, but it's one of the reasons I'm so big on don't stop the prayer meetings when things get hard. It's one of the reasons I'm so big on have the prayer meeting on Christmas. Have the mm -hmm. prayer meeting on Thanksgiving, on New Year's, on your birthday. It's one of the reasons I'm so big on it because those are those sacrificial pinch moments. That's when it actually costs the most. And, and there's sometimes where that prayer meeting is sweet, enjoyable, everybody's having a great day, and it's really not a sacrifice at all. And that's good too, but there's a place for sacrifice. And so I felt the Lord plumb line me that day. Do not offer to me a sacrifice that cost you nothing. Wow. And, and so for 15 years, that verse has come back again and again right now. So yesterday, uh, we had our first outbreak of COVID in our mix. Uh, yeah. So we we're seven, eight months in, and somehow, by the grace of the Lord, we have not had it. I mean, we've had almost no cases for eight yeah. months. Well, yesterday, we had a bunch of cases break out. So yesterday, we had to have an extra planning meeting for you know a big period of time in order to strategize how do we keep the fire on the altar because all our worship leaders are sick with COVID or have to quarantine because their family members got it or this and that and it's like a pinch moment it's like the thought mm -hmm. of canceling the prayer meetings is unthinkable it's i'm not going to offer to the lord's sacrifice that cost me nothing instead let's sacrifice like crazy let's accumulate some treasure in heaven let's give jesus some praise and some worth let's i mean let's go for it this is our moment and so the whole team, because we've been trained in that theology, that theology of a sacrifice is a better offering when it's costly. The two mites, the woman with the two copper coins, it costs yeah. her everything. And Jesus is like, no, that gal's got it. Everybody else gave out of abundance. And I, I just feel like there's a part of the house of prayer that we have to, as leaders, have a revelation that it can't always just be out of the abundance. Sometimes it's got to be a costly sacrifice yeah. because it's not always a lot of fun. It's not always easy. Yeah. Um, so I'd be one. That's good. Yeah. Is that good? You want another one or what do you think? Oh, that's so good. I'm just thinking about the, the revelation required to be willing to make that sacrifice. You talked about the worthiness of Jesus earlier. And I just think that, to me, those ideas are connected that as you see Jesus yes. rightly and you see who he is and you have a revelation of his worth and his beauty and his goodness, 
then the sacrifice, like you said, it's really not a sacrifice at that point because compared to his worth, like yeah. we could never give him anything close to what he's worth. Even every city in the world, 24 seven, every nation wouldn't, wouldn't scratch the surface of how and amazing he is. Yes. Yes. And so to me, it's like, we it goes back to that, that, that fact that we need a revelation of Jesus. We need a revelation of who he is and that that revelation will, it needs to, in my mind, be the fuel so that we don't become religious, just, you know, trying to do some great, great things for the Lord and show how awesome we, we did the sacrificial ministry, but it's right. a response to him of love and worship. Yeah. Yes. Well, and then the other side of that coin is what he gives back to us in his presence. Mm. I mean, that's gotta be half a, or seven, right. you know, of your message. I mean, it's like, it's right. in his presence, there's fullness of joy in his presence. There's joy. And, and so that, uh, that Isaiah 56, my house will be called a house of prayer. And in my house of prayer, there will be joy. There will be joy yeah. in my house of prayer. There's, there's a promise for us that actually when we enter into that reality and we give ourselves to cultivating a, a presence worship environment where his name is lifted up, 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 he starts to inhabit in a way that's just a little different. And, and then there's more access. There's, a, there's an easier access point to his mm. presence, to his joy. And so as we build him in good days, bad days, sacrificial days, super fun days, as we build him an altar, we actually get to enter into his joy in a greater way. And so, so part of it's selfish because I mean, right. we get to watch him and we get to feel his presence. And then we get to watch our friends be transformed and the visitor that walks in get hit. I don't know how many times I've walked, watched a visitor walk in the room and either watch it hit their face or they come and tell me, you know, later they walk in and as soon as they walk in, they're like, what is happening in this room? That's different than the lobby. You know, <laughs> it just hits their face like, Oh my yeah. God. And I don't mean the music. I mean the presence. Yeah. Or, you know, or I'll talk to them later and they'll be like, as soon as I walked in the building or as soon as I walked in the room, I felt the presence of God. I mean, man, cultivating a place of his presence, that's gotta yes. be like the best way to spend our time and energy or money. I mean, I just, right. Yeah. And then it becomes not, oh, I have to do a prayer meeting on Christmas. It means I get to go be with God oh, in his joyful oh. presence where there's pleasures forevermore. <laughs> I have made a commitment specifically on Christmas uh, mm. to be at my prayer meetings because I'm, I'm in prayer meetings seven days a week. So I'm, I'm there whatever day Christmas wants to fall on this year. I'm there. And I've made the commitment to be there every year. And I have wow. felt the Lord in a sweet way every single Christmas for 15 years. Mm. Uh, one day it was just me and one of my worship leaders. And, uh, you know, we're in Texas. So Texas doesn't ever see snow ever. And, uh, it's Christmas day. And we got a prayer meeting in the middle of the afternoon. Cause I was on that set as well for whatever, you know, day it landed on that year. I walk outside. It's just the two of us. It's, it's me as the usher and she's the worship leader on stage. And maybe a visitor or two came in here or there. <clears throat> and, uh, I look outside and it's snowing. Wow. And I made a snowball and I went in there and I pegged her right as she was worshiping. She gets hit with a snowball, but she's leading the worship. So she, she's keeping the fire on the altar. She can't stop. And she just looks at me like, oh, you got me because I can't stop. And I just laughed and had a good you know, time. We had so much joy in his house on Christmas. Uh, it, was, it was the funnest thing. That's awesome. <laughs> that's fun, man. Wow. I love it. I love it. Well, 
I know that, like you said, there's been a lot of sacrifices. I know there's been challenges. It, the breakthroughs are encouraging. The testimonies are encouraging, but sometimes it can be encouraging the Gideon's army story where you go from 11 to three. Yeah. And I know anybody that's ever tried to lead a prayer meeting before is going, <laughs> yeah, I know what that's like. Yeah, 11 to you, three. You, you, you start it and people show up for the first one and yeah. then it trails off to, you know, very, very few typically. And so, you know, some of, some of those kinds of challenges, what are some of the challenges that you guys have faced? I mean, I can't, can't imagine how many there, there would be, but what are some things that, that stick out to you? Like what, what's been the, what's been some of the hardest things for you guys? Attrition. You know, it's just, it, it's tough. And, and I think, um, I think the Lord has a lot that he's doing in the concept of people coming and joining you, doing prayer meetings with you for a season, and then they go away and they don't come back. Sometimes it's human weakness. Sometimes they were assigned to you for a season. Sometimes they weren't really supposed to be a house of prayer guy. They just needed his presence and some, they needed to be friends with you for a minute. They needed some wisdom that comes from being in prayer meetings. They needed some stuff and they weren't even supposed to be house of prayer people for the rest of their life. Sometimes the Lord's got them there on an assignment for, you know, a season because they need that genetics and that DNA for whatever their next assignment is. They really needed that in the foundation. But the frustrating part for us as leaders is we want everybody to be lifers. Hmm. Everybody. I mean, the new visitor, we're already dreaming about where they're going to be in 10 years and you know, how they're going to be one of our leaders. I mean, it's like we, and that's part of the gift of God of leadership on us as leaders. And we need hmm. to keep that, but we also need to keep some balanced perspective that it's just not going to be that way. Mm-hmm. And so the, the concept of people coming in, being there for a season, and a season may be weeks, maybe months, maybe years, and you got to kind of, it's okay. Any of those is okay. And uh, I think for us, some of the early lessons of trying to learn how not to beat the sheep when they would want to go away, you know, I think, uh, I think that's a, a very important lesson we, as leaders we all need to learn and learning how to be tender uh, with people. And I'll just say this, getting people to go to church every Sunday is hard for a pastor. Getting people to come to a prayer meeting every week <laughs> is 10 times harder. Because yeah. at least in a church service, it's all received. You know, they, they come, they sit, they get, they fellowship, you know, they get a lot of social interactions, all that kind of stuff. At a prayer meeting, it's like, come and give your heart to Jesus. And you, hopefully you're going to receive from him, but there's not like a teaching and all this other stuff going on that helps, you know, and plus it's an hour long or two hours long. Getting people to sign up for prayer meetings, we just need to recognize we're frontline missions in the place of prayer. Mm. And it's tough. It's tough. And so, uh, so I just think we need, to, we need to not lower the expectation of what it is that we're asking people to do. We also need to learn how to be real gracious when people are stepping out, moving on, going a different direction uh, so that we don't cause unnecessary ache in their hearts so that we don't get all tense and bound up with frustration with them. It's like, we kind of need to just go, Lord, this is yours. Whether it's just me or it's me and three or me and 30, we're just going to keep doing it. And so I'll tell you, there's a real problem for you as a leader. There's only one person you have control over is you and everybody (laughs) else has a free will. (laughs) They yeah. do whatever they want. And, well, you do too, but I mean, at least you could 
tell yourself you're going to do it even when you don't want to. (laughs) So keeping the fire on the altar has constantly been, I mean, it's been a, a constant, I'm talking 15 years, a constant primary focus of scheduling people, figuring out who's probably, who needs a break right now. Uh, If we keep pushing them, it's not going to go well. We need to give them a little bit of a break. Who else can we use and you know, utilize as a worship leader or a prayer leader? Who else might want to learn how to do this? It's a constant. So I just think as pioneers, you need to kind of be setting yourself to be committed to being connected to that scheduling until mm. it comes. I just don't mm. think that's going to go anywhere for a while. And so, uh, so that's a constant battle or, or struggle. But the second part of that that's really tough is all the relational the feeling of relational loss when people go, listen, I love you, but I don't, I can't bear this assignment anymore. I can't, I mean, I like you, but this is tough. And I don't, I don't think I want to do it anymore. And your world is so wrapped up in the assignment that Mm. what it means that they're not going to be around the prayer meetings anymore. It really does mean at least a measure of, of, relational distancing because they were around you all the time in the prayer meetings and now they're not right. and your life probably has other things going on too and it just you're not going to have the same level of connectedness with them that you did before and in some cases you're going to have very little because yeah. your whole relationship was wrapped up around being together in prayer meetings and to experience that that ache and that feeling of loss again and again and again i, I just want to encourage all of you that's part of what you're signing up for and, it, and it's a little bit lonely and it's hard mm. Yeah, it's true. I I can relate to that so much. I know I know you're so you you've already expressed this passion, but you're so passionate about consistency, the commitment to prayer meetings daily, weekly prayer meetings. Maybe just riff on that for a minute. I know you you guys use the term sacred trust. You have people that commit in a really intentional way. You you follow yeah. them up with accountability and that kind of thing. You know, I'm confident that there's people that are going to be tuning in that are not attending prayer meetings regularly. Um, Maybe there's some in their city they could go to. Maybe they don't know of a prayer meeting they could go to. Maybe they would have to start something, but maybe, maybe speak into that, the value of that. And, uh, and because I think that there's, you know, huge value in, in locking in, not just in our personal time with the Lord, but especially in that corporate prayer environment when praying with others. Yeah. If you don't schedule it, busy American. <laughs> it ain't gonna happen, friend. <laughs> and as leaders, we need to carry that same revelation for those that we're leading. And we need to help them schedule it, whatever it is. Date night with your wife. It ain't gonna happen unless you schedule it. You know what I mean? You go. You know what I mean? go a, a, a predictable bedtime. You know, it's like if you don't schedule that thing, it's not gonna happen. And so as leaders, I think the most important administrative step that we can take is helping create a schedule that people can actually commit to. So I want to say that again. I've been doing this 15 years. I think the single most important administrative component of building the house of prayer, the number one thing is creating a schedule that people can commit to with weekly regularity. So it looks like this. You're doing prayer meetings, you know, once a day, you know, for an hour long. I just want you to know this. If you started a prayer meeting seven days a week for one hour a day, you would probably be the strongest prayer ministry in your city or region in one moment. 
mean, it's that simple because nobody's yeah. doing seven day a week, one hour prayer meetings. And you can do that. I'm telling you as a guy who's done it, you can do it in your living room. So let's pretend that let's just go with that route, that thought process, one hour a day. What you want to do is you want to convince all the friends that are with you, you know, you know, the ones that, you know, all six of them or 16 or whatever number you got, you want to convince them that it's valuable to spread themselves across those prayer meetings with commitment. Like, Hey, can you be the weekend guy? That's always here with me on the weekends. Can you always do the two weekend sets? Oh man, that's tough. Well, yeah, but then you don't have to come during the week. Oh, okay. I can move things around a little bit, but then talk to a different guy or gal and be like, Hey, can you do Monday through Wednesday with me? Can you be here every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday for the hour prayer meeting? Cause that means there's two of us. Cause it's me and you, you know, yeah. and then somebody else, can you be the Thursday, Friday guy? Yeah, I can make my schedule work that way. And then start adding a third person into the mix, a fourth person in the mix. And, and maybe they're only able to do one time a week, but here's what happens. The only reason you can go to Walmart and know that Walmart is going to be open is because people are scheduled there to work. And they're scheduling, and then the next hour they're scheduling, and the next day they're scheduling. The only reason Walmart's open, and you can know that it's open, is because there are people that are on a schedule that are keeping that place running. Well, if we ever want to be a house of prayer that is predictable and that can be counted on by other people in our region to be able to come to it and visit it and be ministered to and and be part of what's going on, we've got to make sure those prayer meetings are actually happening. And you can't do that on a whim or a guess. You got to do it on a schedule. And mm. so just real practical, you got to come up with a schedule. Here's the, the, the reason why I think weekly commitment. So the sacred trust thing, we stole that term from IOP Kansas City. And we looked at it a lot of times. Should we change it? Should we say, be an intercessor on the wall? And that's what we're going to call it. Or should we call it, sign up for a prayer meeting or whatever. The reason we left it as a sacred trust is because it kind of gives you that, Mufasa, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, <laughs> it's a little bit of the fear of the Lord. Like, a sacred trust. Right. It's sacred before the Lord that this is a prayer meeting I'm going to try to keep sacred in my life. So unless I'm sick or out of town or there's a family emergency or a work conflict I really can't get out of, I'm going to be there for it. I'm going to, I'm going to count it sacred. A trust. It's a trust to those that we're ministering with. Mm. It's a trust that, to the Lord that he can count on me to be on the wall you know, for that hour or two hours or whatever it is, it's a sacred trust. And so uh, we like that term because it actually, in my opinion, it scares people a little bit. And in <laughs> some cases, scares people off. In my opinion, the ones that can get scared off by the title, we're going to get really scared off by the reality three weeks later. Mm. <clears throat> so, so I'm good with it, you know? And so we've yeah. left that term, the sacred trust. And for us, what that looks like is you're committing to one two-hour prayer meeting a week that's in our schedule. So remember, the Lord told us to start at 5 a.m. So that made us the weird house of prayer because all of our prayer meetings are on odd hours. Oh, yeah. So we do 5 to 7, 7 to 9, 9 to 11, 11. So all the other houses of prayer are on even hours, which makes more sense you know, in a lot of ways. But, but we do odd hours. So what it looks like it works. Us, it totally does. For us, what it looks like is somebody going Tuesday nights from 7 to 9 p.m. I'm going to be on that prayer meeting. I'm going to be in that room as a part of that prayer meeting. You don't have to serve. You can sit in the room and cry. You can sit in the room and read your Bible, praise, worship, go through your prayer list. I just want you in the room with us. I'm going to commit every week, Tuesday night, seven to nine, to be in that room, to be part of what's happening. 
And what we've done is we've opened up that invitation to everybody. I mean, check this. We won't let them serve on a team, but we would let a lost person sign up to be in a prayer meeting every Tuesday night for seven to nine. They'll get <laughs> saved. Right. I mean, it's like, what? that's great. I mean, I don't, I don't want you serving. I mean, no, you can't lead worship, but you can come be a part of the prayer meeting with us. And yeah, that's can be in the room. Yeah. Amen. And over time, what happens is that person that kind of sticks their toe in the water. Okay. I'll come. I'll just be around one time, you know, three, four five months from now, we're going to have a need where we need a fill in usher. And we can ask that person, Hey, you've been coming around. You like us. Could you fill in for me as the usher next week? I'm going to be out of town. Yeah, I can do that. Or prayer leader or singer or worship leader. So one of our primary recruiting mechanisms for stage teams is actually people that are in the room on the sacred trust because they've already been getting you know, acclimated to the environment and what's happening and even the prayer model. They're able to, because able to, they've been watching it every week for weeks and weeks and weeks. So again, I just want to say it this way, the sacred trust, and that is if you just want to get that down to a, a one little line, a weekly commitment to be in the prayer room at the same yeah. time. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that idea, call it whatever you want. I think that idea is the single most important component administratively of building the house of prayer, because without it, it's a guess. It's a hope that there's going to be a prayer meeting next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Now that's helpful. Thank you so much, Brad. Well, as we're getting ready to wrap up here, for people that might be interested in the prayer room in DFW, what are some ways that people can engage with you? Either, you know, are you open to people moving there? Are you open, or is there a way to connect online with, with resources or, I don't know, live stream? Yeah. I'm not sure what all you guys have available, but. Sure. Uh, start infomercial. Go. Go. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so uh, yeah, 20 hours a day. If you're in the region, you can stick your head in anytime. Or if you want to come from out of town and come hang out with us, you know, for a day, a week, a month, then we also offer training programs. So we do an internship that, man, if you're a young adult, I don't think you could do a better program anywhere. Our young adult internship is stellar. It's uh, run by a former IHOPU uh, graduate. And it's just an incredible program of building community. You're in the prayer room, you're getting instruction, you're getting teaching, you're getting invigoration. Our house of prayer feels a strong calling to help raise up leaders in the prayer movement. So part of our internship kind of even gives you some of that inside look into leadership and building the house of prayer. And uh, it is a great program. And so we call it Immerse and it starts in January. So if if anybody's interested in that, you can go to our website, theprayerroomdfw.com, theprayerroomdfw.com. And uh, click on the immerse, you know, information under our uh, our trainings. But that's a great way to come for a season. Yeah, we raise up missionaries. So we've got right now we've got forty staff. Twelve of those staff are missionaries, and that means they raise their own support. And this is what they do. This I'm one of them. This is their job, either part time or full time. And we have our immerse internship as a prerequisite. It's the starting point. We've got to put somebody through an internship before we would let them come and join staff and do this as an occupation. But then we help you with the support raising. We help you figure all that stuff out. We help you onboard. And we've been doing this for years. Yeah. I mean, this is not, we're not new. It's like, we know what we're doing at this point. Yeah. And then we've also got our live stream, but man, I just, we have that really as an in-house facilitation because what's happening in the room is sweet and precious and you can feel it. Mm. 
but it doesn't really translate that superbly online because it's normally just one person up there and our, you know, audio systems and stuff and, and streaming systems are not top notch. You can check it out though. I mean, you can see our little prayer room. It's uh, our YouTube channel okay. is a uh, TPR DFW. Uh, so that's our YouTube channel, TPR DFW. So you can see the live stream that way, but uh, I would invite you guys to come check us out. And our website has got so many free resources on it. It's teaching resources, how to build a house of prayer resources, trainings. And we got a bunch of stuff because we feel like if we can, we want to help be a resource center to help the prayer movement, to help you in your prayer life and in wide pray, you know, how to have a relationship with God in, in depth in the place of prayer. I mean, we want to do our best to help equip. And so we've got a bunch of that stuff on our website. Amazing. And your website again is the prayer room, dfw.com. Awesome. We'll be sure to link to that in the description and the show notes here. Brad, will you just say a prayer for us before we close out here? Oh, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Father, for all those that are watching and how you're going to use this. Right now, I know you're burning in the hearts of a few. Right now, they feel it. And I pray in Jesus' name that you give them confidence, that you give them courage to take the steps to build the house of prayer. It's the hour to build the house of prayer. It's the hour for houses of prayer of all different expressions to be birthed all over the earth. And some of you are feeling that burning right now. And I want to tell you, it's the Lord speaking to you. It's not human zeal. It's not man's wisdom. This is the craziest thing. It's not a good idea. It's a God idea. And if you're feeling that burning, the Lord is speaking to you right now. Start the house of prayer. Just start a daily prayer meeting in your living room. Tomorrow morning, you can pick the time unless he tells you. And Father, I ask you, Lord, the, the grace of the Lord to rest on those that are hearing this. And I pray, Lord, that everybody that hears this podcast or that tunes in, God, would be touched in their spirit, God, with power, with might, with joy, with, with a passion uh, for you, for your worth, and then also to see how they might even participate in house of prayer expressions near them if they're not starting one. Lord, build your house. Let your church be a praying church in this generation. Mm. And Lord, use moments like this, podcasts like this, to stir up that zeal in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. Amen. 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 Brad, thank Amen. you so much. This has been awesome. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, guys. This was awesome. Yeah. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in today. Again, please hit subscribe if you have not yet. And please share this with your friends, share this with your community, share it on social media. We appreciate that. If you're on YouTube, give us a little thumbs up. If you're on Apple, give us a rating or review. All that stuff helps us so much. And do not forget God's presence changes everything.